Welcome to Dogma and Devotion, the podcast that sheds light on the beauty and truth of the Catholic faith. We discuss a wide range of topics from the viewpoints of two complementary vocations of the Church. I'm Ashley, here with Father Dupre, and on today's episode, we'll be reflecting on the Gospel for the Nativity of the Lord Mass during the day, year B. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace, because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed Him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we are in John's Gospel. Uh, You kind of get this like Star Wars crawl of themes right at the beginning. Light, darkness, testimony, glory, truth. And I know as just a layperson, every time I hear this Gospel, it feels special. Like it just feels like this is something that's being announced to me. But I can't always figure out why. I just know it's special, you know. And it is because this gospel was proclaimed from as far back as 1570 in the Roman Missal of Pope Pius V up until around 1969. You would hear this gospel proclaimed at the very end of every mass by the celebrant. And it was basically an echo of all that we hold true and profess together at the creed, which we do at every Sunday mass and solemnities. And it is very, very, very significant because it was uh, basically a summary of all that the church had done to articulate what we believe about our God. And there, there has been many, many things that have come up, many questions about the nature of who this Jesus of Nazareth is, who is his mother, how was he born, what kind of person is he, is he uh, a special kind of creature, what makes him special. All of these things uh, became known as uh, questions that related to Christology the study of the nature of Jesus Christ as the, the word of God, the son of God. Yes, the son of Mary. 
And all of these questions led to some fierce debates, very, very fierce debates uh, that led to the uh, Council of Nicaea, Council of Chalcedon. We have the Council of Ephesus. This is all around the 300s and 400s in the earliest days, earliest centuries of the church. And it had to be restated. It had to be put out there to understand who is this God that we worship. And in this uh, gospel, we're, we're hearing everything that we have to confront with our relationship with God. Because, for example, one, let's say, heresy uh, or erroneous kind of perspective of Christ was that he was a very special human being. And he was knit together in a very special way who could come out of the womb and one day work miracles. But he is a human being who was created. Well, that is not true. That would be the heresy of uh, Arius, Arianism. And it is still alive and kicking. Basically, any person that takes the words of Jesus Christ in the gospel and sees them as just the words of a human being, well, instantly you have a crack in your faith that allows for your defection, your denial that his words are binding as the words of God. And so a, a gospel like this, John would have wrote it for the people of the time to hear this, those who maybe still didn't believe, and hear the significance of um, this this idea that the, the word, capital W, that created the universe back in Genesis is the same one that's coming through to sort of renew it through Christ. Exactly. This is the word through whom all things were made. Just think of, again, Ashley references the book of Genesis he spoke and it came to be. So what is spoken? A word is spoken. If something is spoken, it is intelligent. It has meaning. It bridges to a reality that we can all understand. And this is that same word that when it was spoken, things were created. It is this word and nothing less, no one less that has taken flesh and and it was in the beginning, before all human beings were made, before anything was made, and nothing came to be apart from him. And so that might sound kind of technical or like part of just theological jargon, but whenever you pray with it, you have to ascend in faith and say, Jesus is not somebody that I can just bring down to me. He has condescended in that he has come into my nature. He has taken his human nature from a human mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. However, he, his person, his true substance is divine. And it has been, let's say, married to a human nature. But what he has spoken, it is the same word that has created the universe. St. Augustine gives this really cool um, dichotomy in one of his speeches where he says you have the speechless infant and the word dang so good right wow yeah and so again it speaks of that that condescension right he's coming down to us so that we can approach this almighty power that has created everything and is now in this very mysterious but very real way has become let's say part of it he has come to 
be with it in order to redeem it. And so, of course, he has entered this world to take the punishment for sin in his flesh. In the, he is the second person of the Holy Trinity. And uh, I just think about how what you have to come to terms with when you're looking at the crash. That's what we're celebrating you know, at the Christmas vigil. We have the baby being brought in. Uh, different parishes do it different ways. Sometimes they'll, they'll choose a young child that uh, can, you know, let's say be trusted to bring in the little infant statue all the way from the back, right, uh, of the main doors of the church all the way up to where this crash scene is usually put somewhere near the front, you know, and highly spectacled place in the church that everyone can see. And there'll be usually an insensation, perhaps a silent or with words, blessing of the crash by the celebrant. And, and so what are we adoring? What are we looking at? It is not just a human baby. God has used that movement of affection upon us, very built into our nature to be moved by a, a, a child. Yet what are we looking at should bring us to tears. This, this almost cannot be. And it is, it is such a great mystery that, that God has come to us in this special way and this is the one who is going to mature and say, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And I am going to make up within myself all the transgressions against the law. This flesh that you see now will be made into a sacrifice for your resistance to the words that have been spoken from the beginning. You know, these, this should be part of our prayer and our adoration of the Christ child in the manger. This should also dethrone us as creatures who, through movements like secularism, which in my opinion, not to sound cynical, but is, you, you could say, the fastest growing religion out there, we have, can fall into a tendency to place our own thoughts and recategorization of creation around us as things in relationship to us rather than all things that have been created have been made by this God that is now in a feeding trough. What does that mean for me? I have to relate to created things around me in a different way and in a way that makes me poor because now the one who has made all things has come to me in this poor way. Last Christmas, Charlotte was the one that brought the baby Jesus up. And I remember um, walking away with this cool meditation because I was like, Charlotte, like you cannot drop this baby. Like this is an ancient, you know, thing that's probably been in our church forever. Like you cannot drop the baby. So she's like, okay, mom, okay. And so as she's walking down the notoriously way too long aisle of Holy Rosary and Kaplan, she was clinging so hard to that baby. And I was like, why can't that be me? Like, wow. why do I always want to cling to like the bloody Jesus on the cross and find it there? But why, why not cling to the, the little humble, sweet little baby and just start there, build a relationship. And then when the agony and the sorrows come, you have a foundation that's built on something just soft and sweet. It's so beautiful how God is doing it. And, and, bringing us into this relationship he, he is let's say reestablishing the heartstrings that we should have to our god 
And I'm thinking of a quote here as we talk about having a right relationship, a rightly ordered relationship to our God, our creator, our redeemer, who has come to us in the flesh. And this comes from St. Thomas Aquinas from his great work, the Summa Theologiae. This is in the Secunda Secunde. And for those who are into theology, and he says this, the chief obstacle to religion is for man to adhere to a false God. And that is what this prologue, this gospel we're hearing uh, for Christmas mass during the day is helping us to confront, right? We have to deal with every form of idolatry, every form of materialism, uh, another heresy, Pelagianism, which is where basically I have done something right to be deserving of God's grace, when really the Catholic teaching there is, no, you have been given a grace to accept whatever grace. All is grace. And so we come into every mass where we worship the true God. No, you are God. And I confess that I have not held you to be my God. And now here he is as a baby asking to be held. So good. Amen. Do you want to close with prayer tonight? Let's do that. We have a, an echo of this beginning of John's gospel at this Mass that comes in the letters of St. Paul in his letters to the Colossians. And this is uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. You hear something very familiar and just carries on these sentiments in the first verses of John's gospel. And so we'll... Offer it as a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us give thanks to the Father for having made you worthy to share the lot of the saints in light. He rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Through him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creatures. In him, everything in heaven and on earth was created, things visible and invisible. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. We're glad you're with us. Uh, our next episode, we're going to complete our Christmas octave with the Mass for the Feast of the Holy Family.